Welcome to Media at Risk, a podcast from the Center for Media at Risk at the Annenberg School for Communication at the University of Pennsylvania. In this episode, doctoral student and producer Mira McCammon interviews journalist Afef Abrugi of Global Voices and Ranking Digital Rights. Afef has been working since 2011 on issues related to free speech and freedom of expression in Tunisia and North Africa, and in particular, how these fundamental rights cannot be separated from questions of government accountability. We learn about how Tunisians have been responding to recent efforts to censor and silence journalists, and what the right to free speech means seven years after the revolution. Hope you enjoy. My name is Afef Abrugi. I work with uh, Global Voices uh, at Vox. Uh, it's basically a project that, um, uh, that defends online freedom of expression and privacy rights. There's a few things you should know about Afef Abrugi, that she's an insightful editor and committed researcher who wrote her master's thesis on the implications of social media platforms content removal policies that over the past seven years, she's written over 160 posts for Global Voices, an affiliate of the Center for Media at Risk. And in that endeavor, she's developed a laser-like understanding of free speech and privacy rights issues throughout the Middle East and in North Africa. Her portfolio is vast. Over the past decade, she's tackled internet censorship in Yemen, bloggers going on hunger strike in Algeria, how the Saudi government is responding to the rise of messaging apps, and what the future holds for digital practitioners around the world. Uh, yeah, I also work with uh, Ranking Digital Rights, uh, which, uh, which is uh, an international network of partners that are working to set um, global standards for how companies in the uh, information communications technology you know, sector should respect freedom of expression and privacy. And I'm, I'm wondering what initially got you into the world of privacy rights and freedom of expression? I mean, I lived most of my life under a dictatorship, uh, I mean, up until 2011. And um, 2011, 2000, it was in 2010, actually, when the, the protests started. And um, I was uh, 20. Uh, then suddenly, like, this, you know, dictatorship fell. And you had this sort of, you know, change where uh, you can kind of say whatever you want. It was kind of, you know, those times were, were, were kind of um, crazy. And um, I know when... when um, the, the, the regime fell and these sort of, you know, changes, I also started writing. Um, I joined uh, Global Voices in 2011 as a, a volunteer author. And, um, I mean, I started writing about Tunisia's democratic transition and then I found myself kind of writing more and more about uh, freedom of expression and privacy issues. Yeah, and I guess I'm, you know, I'm Skyping you from Philadelphia, <laughs> and I've never been to Tunisia, and I guess I'm I'm interested in getting your take on, you know, what what the world tends to get wrong about privacy rights com- conversations in Tunisia specifically. You know, just like what is unique to the environment today, or you know how it's evolved, just because you know it it doesn't 
it's not always the top country in the news when it comes to privacy rights, but that certainly doesn't mean that there isn't a lot going on any given day of the week. As you said, uh, Tunisia doesn't get, I mean, in general, um, Tunisia doesn't get enough coverage and doesn't get good quality coverage, but I don't think this is only specific to Tunisia. I think it's, it's, um, it's a problem with, uh, the, with the entire region. I think when it comes to Tunisia, particularly like with, with the protests, I think what's interesting, what I have been noticing since you know, uh, 2011, is that it either gets coverage when something really bad happens, like you know, a terrorist attack, or when something really, you know, good happens, like, you know, um, I don't know, uh, the parliament adapting, you know, this, uh, this law against, you know, domestic violence, you know, uh, or, you know, and I think, uh, of course, these issues, you know, should be covered and are important. But I, I think there are like a lot of things in between that don't get um, enough coverage when it comes from, you know, the mainstream media. I think that, also kind of, I mean, uh, applies maybe to some uh, issues around, mainly I think around freedom of expression and press freedom. When Tunisian journalists, you know, are protesting, you know, um, you see that kind of um, being covered. But again, uh, on a daily basis, there are like other uh, struggles uh, that don't get uh, enough coverage. Annenberg, we're, we're in the throes of launching the Center for Media at Risk, and part of what we're thinking about is what specific media practices journalists can, you know, can undertake in in the regions where they work to ensure that their their voice can be heard. And it seems like Global Voices has just played such a significant role in in making sure that stories can be told, um, that there's a space for them. And I. I wanted to ask if you'd be willing to talk about the latest piece you wrote for Global Voices this past March, just because it seemed like such a unique window into the world of Tunisian politics and also digital rights. So basically, the story is that you have like these 16 members of parliament who um, who have been kind of elected to honor their, you know, commitments and to, to the Tunisian constitution and, you know, to represent the, you know, Tunisian people. And they are proposing uh, a bill that would, you know, criminalize what they um, describe as cyber defamation. So uh, they are like 17 MPs, 16 of them are um, from uh, a party that's in the ruling coalition, uh, the Nidet Tunis party. And basically the, 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 the bill would, um, would basically uh, punish those convicted uh, of you know cyber defamation defamation to um, two years in in jail and this applies not only to people but it also applies to what they you know uh, describe as official institutions so uh, what's funny i think about the story and this is something that was that the also the uh, tunisian uh, the national syndicate for tunisian journalists they mentioned that is that the bill mentions a 1975 law that that's not being implemented anymore. You know that this this law is the is the press the old press code. It's uh, it was being implemented under uh, the dictatorship era. 
the law was, you know, of course, abolished in 2011 as, as part of, um, you know, reforms in favor of uh, freedom of expression and, uh, and press freedom and was replaced with, with another, you know, uh, press code that's, uh, that, you know, guarantees uh, certain uh, rights to Tunisian journalists, you know, including their access to information, you know, confidentiality of sources. It, it really, you know, um, makes me wonder, uh, you know, whether... I mean, the bill, it's still, it, it may not be adopted, but it kind of, for me, raises uh, the question whether these MPs, you know, are, are just, you know, simply ignorant or they are just, you know, choosing to willingly ignore, you know, Tunisia's uh, progress in, in freedom of in the areas of freedom of expression and press freedom. And also, Tunisia doesn't need, you know, cyber defamation law because there are like already other texts in the, the penal code, the telecommunication code, and also the, the military code that already, um, you know, criminalize uh, certain types of speech, including defamation, you know, insulting others through, you know, uh, public telecommunication networks, you know, uh, also like the, the defamation of institutions. And these are all laws, I mean, the priority of these MPs should have been to propose legislation to actually abolish, uh, abolish these laws and articles, which are, by the way, uh, unconstitutional. They, they, these laws are not in line with the new constitution that was uh, adopted in 2014. Yeah, you know, I'm, I'm rereading your piece and I'm also seeing the line where you talk about how there was a, actually a member of parliament who was sentenced by military court to 16 days in jail for undermining the morale of the army over a 2017 Facebook post. And I guess, I guess I'm just interested too, in kind of trying to make sense of, you know, in Tunisia right now, not just among citizens, but also, I guess, among MPs, do you think that there is fear regarding using certain social media? Have you, have you seen a shift in platform use? Or I guess that's a bit of a weird question, but. I, th I think this MP is kind of in a sort of unique position uh, I mean, he himself was, I mean, he's, he's a blogger and he was only elected recently to the parliament uh, when there was like a vacancy in uh, one uh, constituency and he was, he, he got elected. So I think he, he himself among MPs, he's not that popular. Um, I know he can, he can, of course, uh, and these are, and he's being sentenced over uh, sort of posts that um, he published like before he got elected. I know that he could probably make use of his, uh, of the immunity he has as an MP, but I'm not sure if he if he will. So uh, he himself he has been um, also uh, critical uh, of the 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 military institution, and he's been sentenced also before um, over uh, Facebook posts as well. I mean this 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 MP himself he did he wasn't among those who proposed this this bill. So uh, that's that I think it's sense. yeah that's very important to to know that. But um, to me to be honest, when I was reading this this very short bill, I, I thought these MPs are not concerned about uh, Tunisian users or individuals. It, it seems that they are concerned about, you know, themselves. I mean, um, I don't see why they would propose such a legislation that would only take Tunisia back, but also refer to uh, a law that doesn't exist and like a repressive law that that's, that, that was abolished. It's, it's kind of, you know, very... Um, 
symbolic. And I want to quote here the uh, Tunisian syndicate, the, the syndicate of Tunisian journalists, quote, this spill is the result of a repressive mindset, restrictive of freedoms, and reflecting nostalgia for the dictatorship era. This is kind of sums up everything, I guess. You were you were just in Tunisia and you talked about, you know, growing up in Tunisia. I guess I'm interested in in getting your take on what the attitudes uh, are of, of the youth today in Tunisia. If, if you, you know, towards social media use, uh, towards digital rights, uh, if you get the sense that people outside of journalism are are worried or if they are more just accepting the status quo, what the what the vibe is, if that. If that makes sense as a question, it's not easy to talk about like uh, an entire group of people, you know, yeah. uh, or like uh, on behalf of them, you know. Um, um, but I would say that in terms of digital rights in general, there is a need to raise awareness about uh, digital rights, particularly when it comes to to the right to privacy. I think a lot of maybe also particularly like young Tunisians, they kind of appreciate. To some extent, that you know, they are able today to access the internet without you know the online censorship we used to have. But I don't, I don't see them kind of. I, I don't see much awareness around privacy rights. I think that's that's kind of a problem. And um, to give an example, I mean, I've I've met you know young people, even like you know uh, people who are like you know in my family, and uh, you know uh, who would you know kind of who were kind of. When they heard about Tunisia's plans to introduce, you know, biometric IDs, they were kind of, oh, that that seems nice, that seems modern, you know, but they weren't really concerned about, you know, privacy issues, and you know, and I think that's kind of problematic because when we talk about these sort of uh, proposals, is that it's it's pretty like today with the current situation in Tunisia, where we don't have like strong protections for privacy, it's kind of uh, it's kind of you know a risk to to pass, you know, or, or to move to, to biometric IDs. And usually people would say, well, I have nothing to hide. And I think that's, that's totally wrong because every single person has plenty of things to hide and there is nothing wrong about it. It's, it may not be hide, but to hide the thing, but um, uh, we're all entitled to have, you know, um, right to privacy respected. So, But at the same time, I think a lot of people can, particularly when it comes to the censorship of content, I mean, and also particularly to uh, freedom of expression, often you, you would hear people like saying that because the, the Tunisian uprising, it was, you know, for freedoms and for rights, and, but it was also and mainly also for, uh, for socioeconomic rights and for jobs and against corruption. And you often hear people well, saying that they would say that, well, we haven't earned or gained anything from this, you know, uprising revolution. We've 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 only you know gained you know freedom of expression. We're like yeah, that's also um, uh, a good thing. So <laughs> so so it's also a good thing that people are able to to complain about these things and talk about these things. Uh, otherwise, you know, how can they be able to at least you know fight or like speak out about corruption, like you know, which which also continues to to uh, hold Tunisia back. So.
Today, there is a complicated constellation of geopolitical issues underlying how we conceptualize media at risk, especially when it comes to the internet. What's at risk online in North Africa isn't necessarily what's at risk in Asia, and what's at risk in Zimbabwe isn't necessarily what's at risk in Algeria. So there's this looming question of how can we interrogate internet freedom as an idea, and how can we keep track of digital censorship as it happens around the world? Afaf certainly doesn't have all the answers to these questions, but she does have stories to tell about Tunisia and Tunisians, stories which frequently don't make it into American media outlets. If you'd like to learn more about Afaf and some of the other stories she's written for Global Voices, check out some of the additional materials we posted on the Media at Risk website. Thanks for listening. We'd like to thank Afef Abrugi, Waldo Aguirre, Emily Plowman, and Barbie Zelizer, director of the Center for Media at Risk. The episode was produced by Mira McCammon and edited by me, Aaron Shapiro. More information can be found on the Center's website, www.ascmediarisk.org. Music